from the visionary minds of the guys who brought you the hit series, Reboot, comes movies we were way too young to see. A podcast series that is exactly what it sounds like. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Movies We Were Way Too Young to See, a look at some of the most influential films we grew up watching, regardless of parental approval. I am your co-host Mowgli, and sitting next to me, as always, the man, the myth, the mouth. Spooky season has arrived, Mowgli! Whoa, what was that? Relax, fool. It's just some sound effects to set the mood. Well, they're certainly working. (laughs) Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the inaugural Spooktober edition of Movies We Were Way Too Young to See, where all month long we're delving into the creepiest, spookiest, most blood-riddled horror films we were able to get our hands on at such a young age. And we wouldn't be here without them. No, we wouldn't, Malv. No, we wouldn't. Without further ado, I think it's time to get into the movie we were way too young to see for the week. A film that certainly took the phrase apple pie pussy to new heights. It's the first time I heard it like that. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) We're talking about the 1996 vampire cult classic from dusk till dawn. Too good. Let's go ahead and mention the logline now. Two criminals and their hostages unknowingly seek temporary refuge in a truck stop populated by vampires with chaotic results. Something I would watch. Definitely. At that age, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it was. So this was an action crime horror film. The story was written by a gentleman named Robert Kurtzman, but the screenplay was none other than Quentin Tarantino. The film was directed by Robert Rodriguez. If you're not familiar with him, he is the legendary director of the Spy Kids franchise. <laughs> I know you watched those as a kid, I out. did. Yeah. I did. Theaters. Straight to the theater. Yeah. Only number one is good. The cast. Man, I have no idea how he was able to get all of these people together. So many good people in this. George Clooney. Quentin Tarantino. Harvey Keitel, Juliette Lewis, Selma Hayek, Cheech Marin, Danny Trejo, Tom Savini. Wow. It's a good-ass cast right there. It's not movies we were way too young to see without revealing the age at which we first saw this. So go ahead and let the audience know, how old were you when you first saw this? Oh, I was like at least 11 years old because this was definitely a library movie for me. But like my vivid memories from this are from like the sci-fi days. I don't know if any of our listeners out there remember the sci-fi channel when it was spelled S-C-I-F-I. And this movie, I swear, it was like one of the movies they had on every weekend. I, I really just loved it from there. I'm kind of on the same page as you. I rented it from the library, but the first time I actually saw it was around the same age, uh, and it was on... Network TV, Channel 13. Shout out to UPN. Oh, UPN all day. <laughs> so uh, I had watched the censored version, and once I saw the censored version, I was like, whoa, I got to watch the R-rated version because it was that cool. It was that epic. I love the violence. <laughs> I love the gore, the complete package. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Same same with you. Like I was just like one of those kids who just loved action, the fucking violence. Fuck yeah. Shoot that shit. Like, you know? What did you think about watching it from this most recent viewing, Malv? Oh, I was still like, yeah, fuck that. Shoot that shit. I'm like, nah, You're still nah, in the mood, right? Yeah, yeah, nah. I, I, it was the same way. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. For a real talk, that's my real talk. I really love the shit still. But, like, I just thought about a little bit more, you know, delving into it. Like, you know, 
Quentin and Robert Rodriguez are like fools. Like I look up to, you know, I'm like, they just did their shit. And this is one of the movies. Like I felt both of them were on par with their stuff. Like the cool writing style from Quentin and the, like just the beautiful action and the way it was shot by Robert Rodriguez. That's kind of how I looked at this film as well. It was dissected into two halves. Uh, the first half was kind of the road to Mexico. Mm-hmm. The second half was the massacre in Mexico. Completely different genre changeup as well. And I didn't recognize that really. Well, I guess I kind of did as a kid because I was watching this movie and I wasn't expecting it to turn into a horror film. I thought it was a fucking cowboy movie at first, probably. Like, yeah, right? I would not think like horror out of that title from Dust of Dawn sound like, ooh, something like Unforgiven. I like, remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unforgiven. What are you doing watching Unforgiven as an 11 year old? My dad. So, uh, yeah, going back to the first time watching this, I was watching something on Channel 13, and then it said, next up, From Dust Till Dawn. And I was like, ooh, From Dust Till Dawn. I think I'm going to stay to watch this. And, uh, yeah, it turned into a really cool horror movie, and we're still talking about it now. Loved it. With this new adult vision, you know, like trying to be, you know, analytical and shit like that, I definitely, definitely realize why now I love the first part of the movie compared to the second part, and like you said, it is two different movies. Let's go ahead and talk about part one a bit more, yeah? My favorite part. This part of the story is really just about two crazy mass killers on the run that are trying to get to Mexico. Simple fucking story, right? Always Mexico, huh? Never Canada. (laughs) But like a simple, like just a simple story, and like you feel those vibes, and it's just a good fucking story. Like we just start out like – already immersed in this world or at least i was both times as a kid and the second time watching it and especially the second time because i've already seen more of quentin stuff i could i retained all that more you know and right when the movie starts it reminds me of kill bill volume one and i'm just like i know what this is again you know speaking of kill bill volume one the sheriff he has a connection in the kill bill quentin tarantino universe so you're right on the nose film school film school boys (laughs) (laughs) but you know and like after that it just amps up like you just get like the cool dialogue between the sheriff and the the uh, gas attendant and like you know it's a quentin movie and a robert rodriguez movie when the action is balls out fucking crazy the movie just starts out with a fucking bang before that happens though the sheriff goes into the bathroom and that's where we see the gecko brothers Mm -hmm. they're holding the store hostage basically is like get this freaking sheriff out of here and uh, Quentin Tarantino's character, Richie, that's where I feel like uh, watching it the second time, I developed this thing called Richie Vision. <laughs> so it's revealed in the story that he is a schizophrenic, he has all these violent tendencies, and he's telling Seth... His brother, George Clooney. Yes. Yo, this guy's going to rat us out. And the clerk's like, no, I'm not going to rat him out. Rat. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm playing my part. And um, eventually Richie kills the sheriff. They get into a crazy shootout with the store clerk. He ends up like being set on fire. The gas station blows up, and then you know, just so badass as a kid. As a kid, even now, yeah, like even yeah. I was like, yes, I love it. I love it, especially when the Gecko Brothers fucking are walking out when it explodes. You know, so nonchalant. It is like, and that's like a Robert Rodriguez trademark. You know, he always has the two. The one I remember especially is Desperado, when uh, Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek are jumping out of the fucking. Uh, you know, walking out of the explosion, I think he was on the roof, you know, but like he just makes things cool and like, yes, it's just like fetishizing like violence and stuff, but we love it. 
you know? And these two guys know how to do it well because they're fans of this shit too. This is my favorite scene. As you can tell, I'm a little hyped about it. It just like, it has that action, especially what Quentin and Robert Rodriguez is known. It's like, it's so absurd. Like to kill the attendant, like there's liquor bottles behind them. So they get a plan, like shoot the bottles all the liquor falls on him, and then I think Seth Gecko, George Clooney's character, he gets a paper towel, lights it on fire, and throws it to the fucking attendant, and it just goes up in flames. And you're like, what the fuck? And the body falls, and you think it's over. But then out of nowhere, a crazy little jump scare of, like, the fucking attendant coming back trying to shoot. And then both the brothers just blasting, just blasting you know, like infinite bullets, you know? Yeah, and then they walk out, totally nonchalant. And it just set the mood for the movie. Oh, yeah. I was like, as an 11-year-old, and even now, I'm like, yo, I'm cool. glad yeah, <laughs> I'm just, glad we picked this movie. Yeah, this shit's cool. <laughs> no, you know, and like, yes, you know, like, they're kind of like people you couldn't, you shouldn't root for. And I think that's why we loved them as fucking kids, you know? Like, we didn't really, we know the difference, but we didn't really, like, this fool's just badass. He does whatever the fuck he wants, like, when he wants. Like, that's what we want to do. True anti-heroes. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, like, Quentin's just so fucking good at making those, you know? Little do we know at the time that they have a bank teller hostage in the car. And I think the bank teller hostage death was the most gruesome in the film. So Seth leaves Richie and the bank teller in the hotel room. They get a hotel just to kind of lay low, and Seth is going to go scope the border of Mexico, see what's going on. He comes back. He's like, yo, where's the hostage? Richie, oh, she's in the room. So mind you, the first time I'm watching this, it's an edited version, and there's only single-frame cuts. That shit's crazy. Yeah, so like you just see little flashes of blood on like the walls, on the telephone, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, what is this? And in my mind, I'm thinking it's too vulgar. It's too violent. It's too gruesome for TV. So I'm just like, I need to rent this movie. I need to see this actual freaking, this corpse. Well, you know what was at work there? Robert Rodriguez, the fucking genius. For that particular scene, there was no editing. It was just done as it was. Yeah, you're right. And that's just him as a good editor. Just make, because that shit is still fucking crazy, bro. Like, I know for you, it doesn't hit the same because you thought it wasn't. But when I saw that, even seeing it again, it was just like, fuck, man. That's, That's really good filmmaking to have like those quick slices and i know we've seen them before in movies I, nothing's coming to the top of head but like serial killer movies usually do it when they try to reveal a photo they only show pieces of it like you know but this shit was just like what the fuck though like it was really fast and like it just makes your mind trip out a little bit more you know i agree malv and that gives me to the next kind of level of the richie vision that i was talking about earlier Seth is like yo why are you doing this and he's like yo she was going to leave she was going to leave so I don't think she was going to leave. She was already terrified. That makes you question whether or not the store clerk was going to rat on them as well. Mm, It makes Quentin Tarantino's character, you know, is he reliable? Can you trust him? No. No, I don't trust (laughs) him. No, you can't trust him, bro. Look at that forehead. (laughs) Right? How can you trust him with that forehead and the glasses? He's got like seven minds in there, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Couple's mega mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, Uh, Seth has to trust him, bro. That's your brother. Like, come on. You're like, man, fuck. That's my brother, but I got to trust this crazy. Like, I don't know if he trusts him. him, I have to. He has to protect him. Yeah, I got his back for no matter what, even though he's a crazy fuck. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to like this kind of morbid interpretation, rendition of Steinbeck's novel of Mice and Men. You read that? I didn't read it, but I saw John Malkovich and Gary Sinise. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) We're film boys here. But anyways, just... Something that came to mind when we were watching it the second time, I feel like Seth and Richie are kind of like a more morbid version of Lenny and George. Later on in the film, 
Tarantino's character does get killed, and it is George that kills him. So, in a way, it's George Clooney killing Quentin Tarantino to save him from a more painful death. Uh, that's what I got. However much you want to take into it, whatever. We were really stoned, so... <laughs> I'll never read Steinbeck, but I'll take your review as gospel. <laughs> Amen. Speaking of gospel, let's go ahead and talk about the other side of the characters. Harvey Keitel's character, Jacob Fuller. He was a former pastor who has lost his way. His wife died, so he kind of abandoned his faith. He abandoned religion. He abandoned God. He is also on his way to Mexico with two of his kids, Juliette Lewis and Scott Fuller, who is Japanese, not Chinese. <laughs> They made very, very good notice of that. So before the Gecko Brothers and the Fullers meet, we get a little bit of the backstory into the Fullers' life. Mm -hmm. They're on their way to Mexico just to kind of, you know, their next transition in life. Juliette Lewis, she's, Dad, what about, you know, faith? What about your pastor? What about your religion? What about God? And, um, you know, he's kind of at... Like, fuck that. Yeah, he's kind of at a crossroads. <laughs> he's very upset about See that. See you at the crossroads. <laughs> Shout out to Bone Thugs. <laughs> That's a uh, but like even just the twist of fate there because they barely glance at each other while uh, Seth was going into the hotel. Remember to go see the, the bank teller, like just the chance of faith. And that's where he got the idea of like, hey, that's how we're going to get into Mexico. Also, side quest. We've got ourselves a side quest. Really cool other tie into the Quentin Tarantino universe. Seth is coming back with big kahuna burgers. Did you see that? Yeah, no shit. I, I, didn't I tell you? I was like, look at that. Yeah, yeah. Pulp Fiction, if you guys don't remember, big kahuna burgers. Also, there was another cool tie-in about that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. This was fucking crazy. So, like, Quentin started stealing pieces from the original from Dust Till Dawn and started putting them in other movies. And one that got Robert Rodriguez really fired up was for Pulp Fiction. Quentin, I guess, had the Ezekiel speech in the original draft from Dust Till Dawn, but since they were taking too much time out, I guess he was like, yo, this shit is dope. Let me put it in my movie, you know? And then when uh, Robert Rodriguez said when he saw that, like when he saw a screening of Pulp, he's like, what the fuck, bro? That's in the movie. Like, My bad. And, he, and he's just like, I, he said, it's like, I got to make this movie quick because I know there's a lot of dope shit that he could take out and put in another movie. It does suck. But to be fair, Samuel L. Jackson delivered it super dope. Well, even just using like clues, man. Think of Harvey Keitel saying this shit because that's who I'm pretty sure is saying this. Like, because he's the only priest would, yeah, or like, would do. saintly person in this movie, you know. And like, I think he would he would deliver. It's fucking Harvey Keitel, fool. Who would have said it the better? We don't know. It's Harvey Keitel too, though. You're right. You're right. It's just, it's just be too good, you know. Like, we got to go in those parallel universes and just watch that movie. But like, it's fucking crazy, you know. Like, that's just how good his writing is. Like, he's leeching his own shit, and that he's. A director, Robert Rodriguez, noticing it is like, fuck, this world's too good. Let me keep the good shit for myself. You want to know how good QT's writing is? One of my favorite lines in this. It's Juliette Lewis, and they're on their way to Mexico. She tells Quentin, what's in Mexico? Quentin goes, Mexicans. <laughs> Such good writing. I can love it. That's Academy Award winning That's shit That's that right next there. level <laughs> shit we're talking about, bro. That's Manhattan Beach Video Store right oh, there. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Okay, so now that the Fuller's... And the Gecko brothers, they're on their way. They're crossing their border. We see Cheech Marin there as a border patrol. He makes his way into the uh, the RV kind of because, you know, something happens. Mm. And he's such a perv in that too. He's like, let me go ahead and see in the bathroom. And that was pretty cool writing though. Like uh, Juliet Lewis is just in there. She's hiding the Gecko bros. And yeah. Yeah, she's pretending to take a piss. And yeah. it's like he's just staring at her like, mm -hmm. <laughs> 
but we don't get his best cameo until like a few minutes later when they're actually in Mexico. And that is part two. Immediate tonal shift. Oh, yeah. This is where you definitely know it's Robert Rodriguez, bro. This is the pure Planet Terror vibes. Planet Terror with vampires instead of the zombies, you know? Well, now that we're in part two, one of the major kind of set pieces is the actual bar that they go into, which is called the Titty Twister. Mm -hmm. It's just a wild biker trucker bar in the middle of nowhere. Fire, fights, sex. Sama Hayek, everything you want in Mexico. Everything. Everything an 11-year-old would want, right? That's how they lure their prey. And watching it this time, I made the kind of analogy of comparing the titty twister to Pleasure Island from Pinocchio. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, damn, you're a film student. Yeah, clever boy, yes? <laughs> but keep going. I like that shit because I think I know where you're on. So... In Pinocchio, all of the little kids, they go to Pleasure Island, they have all their fun, they turn into donkeys, right? Mm-hmm. In this one, they have all of their fun, they don't turn into donkeys. Brutally what happens? Murdered. They yeah. get brutally murdered by people who turn into vampires. So a bit more a bit more severe in this one. No, I think that's the original version oh, of Pinocchio, right? the Italian version. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, like you're you're on the right track. I love that shit. Like I didn't like your of mice of men shit. Like I didn't I didn't believe any of that shit. Audience, let me know what you think. <laughs> You want you want Mowgli side or Mouse side? Our audience doesn't read of mice and men, okay? They're not losers. Steinbeck is not a loser. Get out of here, Grapes of Wrath, motherfucker. Hear my wrath. Right. <laughs> but uh, I love the Pinocchio thing. I love that shit. Like, yeah, they're indulging, you know? Like, these bikers are going to a place like the boys wanted to in Pinocchio, you know? Like, so they deserve what happens to them. Yeah, they're not the best representation of, you know, humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Bikers, truckers, they're kind of vile, disgusting. At well, least- even the movie hints at that. Yeah. Like, the, uh, Machete, the vampire. Shout out to Danny Trejo. Yeah, he comes in and says something on the longs of the line. Like, he didn't want uh, the geckos there, not only because they were murderers, but he only wanted bikers, you know? And, uh... Or what do you call them? Truck drivers. He wanted people that belong there. And Harvey Keitel, the white knight in the all white, comes to save uh, save the Gecko brothers. And essentially, they're like, yo, I'm a, I have an RV. I'm a truck driver. And he's like, you see it in Trail's face. Like, man, fuck. Technically, yeah. Yeah, right. They got to stay. But like, hey, you shouldn't have stayed, bro. Or like, should they? Because then mm, the movie wouldn't have happened. Well, that's true. But I'm talking about like story-wise in their real life. I got you. Yeah, I got yeah. you. <laughs> I like what you said there, Malv, how he was kind of the white knight. And that's what I noticed this time, too. Kaitel's character, Jacob Fuller, is the only character really dressed in white to kind of represent his pureness, you know, his... His job or what it was. Yeah. yeah. And um, does he redeem himself at the end of this movie? Oh, shit. Fully dies. Well, yes. That automatically <laughs> made you redeem yourself. He dies for the greater good. We saw it in Armageddon, and we'll see it in other movies. Oh, I don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> but, yeah, no, no, I think he does. You know, like, I, I really do. He does. That's why, like, I feel that Ezekiel speech would have been hard as fuck from him. Um, Especially when he has the shotgun cross. Oh, fu- that's probably where it was, bro. That probably what You know Quentin's, like, on some weirdo shit. That's probably exactly where it was. But, yeah, I think he redeems himself. You know, he saves his family, or he tries to save, like, all of them. He restores his love and faith, right? Like... He has to. I mean, I think George Clooney says it in here. Like, I didn't believe in vampires, but look where we are now. We believe in them. Uh, you know, there's got to be a heaven. And also with George Clooney, he was wearing like a white tank top underneath. So I think that was kind of alluding to, you know, despite all the violence in his life, he's he's good at heart. He's more of like 
you know, because he is the pretty boy. He just came out of the surgeon's office. We should mention that. Yeah, you're right. So uh, at, up to this point in George Clooney's career, yeah. he is not the superstar that he is today. He was on the TV show ER. Oh, yeah. My family loved that shit. That's yeah. how we knew him. The studio actually were okay with George Clooney being the lead, even though he was only known for TV because they did a focus group and found out, like, I think it was, like, more than 60% of women through a certain age, like, bracket knew who he was just by his picture already. Like, he was everywhere. People love the shit out of him. They still do. That's true, though. Yeah. We, we do. <laughs> Batman and Robin is still near and dear to my heart, Oh, George. hell yeah. And Three Kings. Yeah. <laughs> but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Let's go back to the Titty Twister. Mm-hmm. And we got Cheech Marin's second performance there. He his has his best. Uh, his best. <laughs> I think it is his best, where he delivers his iconic pussy lover's monologue. Hey, what's that? Relax, fool. It's just some sound effects to set the mood. Oh, I never heard of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's very vulgar. It just adds to the character. It adds to the ambiance. But didn't you see the censored version of this? So, what? Is, like, how did that work for you? Like, were you still like, yeah, this is dope? I actually don't remember <laughs> the first time I watched that. I don't know if that was in the censored version, but it was so iconic. It stuck out to me when I saw it. Another thing, too that I don't remember watching in the edited version is Juliette Lewis. When we first are introduced to Juliette Lewis's character, she comes in in like a towel and bath, and that's where another version of Richie Vision comes in. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Richie is just like gawking at her. She's like, whoa, this chick is hot. And like in Richie Vision, she turns around. She's like, hey, Richie, you want to eat my <laughs> please? Watching this this time, do you despise the Gecko Brothers? How do you feel about them? I don't know. I'm a sick fuck, you know? Like... <laughs> Uh, I be- really don't like QT in this. Richie's a little fucking pervert, bro. He's just a he's just a weirdo. So uh, I didn't see that. I saw that the second time, but it's part of the movie. I'm glad it was made when it was because I don't think this dialogue and everything oh, fuck no. it adds to the charm of the movie. Oh, it does. Malv, you were talking earlier how Rodriguez edits his own versions. He also edited this right in its own little unique way, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Because like I was saying, like he get when he gets a chance to edit it, he makes sure. But not only does he make sure to edit, he makes sure to edit in a specific way. One thing he said that he want he does with his edits is he wants people to go out and watch the rated R version. He doesn't want them to watch the TV version. He just feels like that's a preview. You need to see the real shit, you know. So like in one of his last movies, Desperado, he made the actors for fuck. You know, for the censored version, he made them say frijoles. It's like, that's fucking absurd. People are going to be so upset. They're like, I don't want to fucking see it when they say frijoles. I want to see it, you know. I need to see the fuck, you know. So he did it in this where instead of it the titty twister, it's the kitty twister, you know. And just like, what the fuck? (laughs) It worked, dude. It worked. It really got me. It makes me want more. Going back to the kitty twister, we finally enter... And it's what you expect. It's the dancers everywhere. It's really cool aesthetics. We got, you know, the mariachi band playing. We got all of these crazy patrons. Malv, who is your favorite patron in the Kitty Twister? It's definitely Sex Machine. One specific reason is his weaponry, but also the person who plays fucking Sex Machine. That's right. The penis pistol. Yes, I love it. It's Someone's so trying to steal his beer. He pulls out, you know, his gun, and it's literally on his crotch. It's one of the most memorable gags from that. That is none other than Tom Savini. 
He is a special effects legend. And there's a really cool story between him and Quentin, yes? Oh, yeah, yeah. So doing the research, like, that's why I like Tom Savini more. And I think that's why, like, I picked uh, Sex Machine as my favorite pe- uh, patron at the bar. So he said, like, many years ago, he met Quentin. And Quentin knew who he was. Like, I told you, I didn't even know he Quentin was, was special. fanboying. He was fanboying hardcore. He knew every special effect and every movie that this guy worked on, that Tom Savini worked on. And, like, they were chatting it up and everything. And Tom Savini says, like, he doesn't know why, but, like, Quentin was like, hey, I work at this dope, like, you know, video shop. You know, I think you should come visit me sometime. And, like, Tom Savini was like, I don't I don't know why, but, like, he just seemed, like, so energetic. And, like, from this that day on, and you know, every day I try to, like, think of, like, the fans. Like, I always try to be nice to them, you know? Like, you never know. And so he said, yeah, he went to the video store. And, like, that's how he became friends with Quentin. And he said that's eventually how he started to become into movies. Like, who would have known that, like, one of the fans that I was nice to just being a nice person would eventually be something and put me in their movie, you know? And that's fucking dope. Pays to be nice, dude. Mm-hmm. Pays to be nice. Love that story. That's your favorite character. That's a really good choice, and I was going to pick that. But I think for me, I love the mariachi band, oh, yeah, especially when they transform into the vampires because they're still in their mariachi attire, but, like, the instruments that they're playing, that scared me as a kid. It, they're literally playing, like, a guitar, but it's in the shape. It's body limbs, full. Yeah, it's it not is, even in the shape. They're just fucking limbs sewed together. It's so creepy. It makes me want to have that as a Halloween costume. Do Eventually, it. yeah, I want to do it. I want to do it. Audience, if you guys are really good with prosthetics or anything like that, <laughs> hook it up. Let's do it. Let's, let's do the morbid mariachi band. Well, now that they're in the Kitty Twister, we got all the dancers. We got Selma Hayek, yes? Yeah, people thought that was going to be our favorite patron, you know? Like, we're not perverts, all right? Like, we weren't going to pick her, but we love her in this movie. She's beautiful. You know, she did scare me when I was little. I think that's what really scared me. Very voluptuous, too. Her transformation. (laughs) Can I say that? Handful. We can say whatever we want. Okay. But, yeah, no, like, Selma Hayek was dope in this, even, like, this brief uh, cameo. I would call it a cameo, right? It was, like, less than 10 minutes, really, I felt. Pretty iconic, too. Only Quentin, only Quentin, too, would have her pour tequila down her foot into his mouth. Fucking sicko. He wrote it. He wrote it. Uh, I have a little IMDb trivia for you there. Selma Hayek is actually mortified of snakes. But word got around that Madonna was going to get that part. So she jumped on it and she got her therapist and they worked on her fear of, of snakes so she can kind of neutralize it. And then, you know, the rest is history. It is film history. Yeah. The vampire transformation doesn't happen until Richie, his wound kind of reopens. He gets stabbed in there. And that's kind of where all the vampires start salivating. And that's where the massacre starts happening. All the crazy deaths. What was your favorite one in that? Uh, comes in this one, Frost, a Vietnam ex-soldier is in there. Like, he goes against four of the vampires, and all he does is he flips a table over, and he uses each table leg as a fucking stake and just throws all these bitches on top of it. And, like, he's got four of them there, and there's like, Ugh! and I was like, I love it. I was like, that's some shit I, re- like, expect from Robert Rodriguez, you know? Like, that, like, seems like another kind of trademark, just some weirdo shit like that, you know? That is a sick one. Going back to Cheech Marin, he goes to Juliette Lewis and she gets a cross. Do you remember that? Yeah. And she puts it in his mouth and, it and burns. His, yeah, his eyeballs just like explode. It looks oh, like jizzed out on yeah, 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 literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, ah! yeah. I think that one is my favorite death for that. So when all the vampires start killing all the patrons, Seth and the Fullers band together with Sex Machine and Frost. They're trying to do you know survive until daylight because in this universe. Well, there's the vampires for yeah. almost every universe. Uh, I don't think they saw Twilight, okay? 
at the end of it all, it's Seth Gecko and Juliette Lewis's character, Kate. They're the only ones surviving, and um, they kind of go their separate ways. What did you think of that? That was a good ending. That's how it goes. Yeah. And it was like a good completion to this, and that's where they should have kept it. <laughs> well, speaking of that, like you see the... Oh, yeah, the big twist at the end. That's the, the best one, yeah. Yeah, so it's like you think the titty twister is only one story, but at the end of the film, it pulls back, and it's literally like this... Uh, Mayan temple. This like vampiric, demonic temple, and there's just like tons of trucks just like scattered, and uh, that kind of leaves the bridge open for the sequels. Which mm-hmm. there are. There's two sequels. There's a TV show. No one cares. I will be- Like the Spy Kids movie. Only the first one's the good one. I think the major thing that we get from this is the bromance between the directors. We mentioned it a little bit earlier, how Robert Rodriguez and QT were kind of like lost, and then they found each other. And like At the time, it was what, the early 90s? Mm. They met at a film festival, right? Yeah, then they just started from there, and then... Quentin got this story, and he just told Robert Rodriguez one day about it and was like, hey, fool, you're Mexican. My story takes place in Mexico. You should make my movie. But, yeah, no, like I like told you, like that's why we talked about it. Like We broke it into part one and two because it really is like part one, Quentin Tarantino's vision or more of the style. And like I said, Robert Rodriguez is like a pure, pure part two style. Like You can just see it, it. Like Their relationship evolves into like Grindhouse. You know, and you see that there, like Planet Terror is straight up like the whole feeling, the whole vibe of From Dust Till Dawn. Character development quickly, dope ass action quickly, you know, and, like you just feel like you already know the world like super quickly. And like that's just pure good writing and fast paced editing and directing from Robert Rodriguez. And we've known a lot about their relationship, or at least I have, especially when Grindhouse came out. Because remember, we saw that in theaters like that shit was dope. And like during the interviews, I remember like. Quentin will talk about how he would help Roger Robert Rodriguez on like some of his like writing and shit. Roger Rodriguez is his <laughs> other brother. <laughs> my bad. I'll just like zone in in there right now. Don't let me get in my zone. All right. Yes, Kanye. <laughs> Fuck, but, but yeah, no, and like, dude, it's a fucking pretty good film combo so far. If like they really have three examples together, the room, but like I haven't seen that shit in like decades. Oh, hi, but- Mal. <laughs> No, not, not, not that, that room. room. No, four rooms. I mean, four room, four rooms. You're right. You're right. You got me. You got me. But like that style, you feel it. Not even that style. That energy, you feel it in this movie. You feel a certain style in Grindhouse. And if you don't feel the style, at least you feel the appreciation that these people, even if you don't know the directors or writer, like at least you feel the appreciation of while, while watching this movie. Like, man, these fucking people love their shit. Like from Dust, like Dust Hell Dawn reminds me of Desperado, El Mariachi, like that. Yeah, not camp, you know, but just like. Like they said, like a certain exploitation, but it's really just a certain Robert Rodriguez style. I think that's why we picked this movie for this month. It's a good movie to set the tone for Spooktober. Mm -hmm. It's underappreciated. Like you had said, Rodriguez and Tarantino, they romanticize these over-the-top B-movies, the horror-gore genre. And when they found each other, like, yo, you like this too? I like this too? Mm -hmm. Remember, the internet wasn't what it was. In, oh yeah! At, at the time, it's like you meet these people at the film festivals, and they're just like, "Whoa, we like the same stuff. Let's vibe." And they really did vibe. And look at their careers; they've thrived. Yeah, no, we use that as an example here because, like, Mowgli was saying, like, the appreciation of film. Like, I still find it hard in like the online community to find like people to really meld with. I feel like you have to meet somebody who's like on that same level with you with shit. You know, like there was a dope ass quote from Robert Rodriguez that I got from him. He's saying like, like essentially saying like. You got to make something entertaining, he's saying. Like, 
I'm making something to entertain, he says. And, like, I feel that from every Robert Rodriguez movie. He's like, I feel like he's like the Roger Corman of today, you know, like, not necessarily on the jankiness or, like, the fast pacing of the film, but just making films, you know, like, because he does all this shit, writing, editing, directing, you know, I like he did the special effects. I know he was starting to do that, like w- during Sin City, you know, like just starting all that shit. So, like, you have to give him his props, even though his movie may not be for you. There's you nothing know? wrong with entertaining an audience. There, There's an audience for everything. Do you identify more as a Robert Rodriguez or a Quentin Tarantino style director? I'm going to be pretentious as fuck, and I'm going to go QT. Or that's what I want to do, you know? Like, yeah. come on. We fell in love. Well, I, what about you? You got to be QT too, right? Yeah. Django? Come on. Can't can't deny that, dude. Yeah, I guess I would lean towards more Quentin Tarantino's style, his, you know, his resume and, like, his body of work. But both of them are super talented. To do that at that high level is super respectable. The thing I like the most about this and like what influences me the most is how it was able to fuse those genres. So it's one movie and then it turns into another one. I wasn't expecting that from a vampire movie. We mentioned the violence, the gore. That's what drew us in. Both of them, they love that shit. Uh, Another thing too is like, man, they got to turn the Twitty Twister into like a (laughs) Halloween maze. You mean Kitty Twister, (laughs) fool? They got to turn it into a Halloween maze, a pop-up bar, or something like that. I just think... Um, a pop-up bar for sure, but not a fucking maze. It would be That'd so be cool. stupid as fuck. No, it wouldn't. That? No, it wouldn't. That's why you don't work for Six Flags, all right? I would do it at Universal. That's why you don't work for them either. And I think Universal did do a From Dust Till Dawn maze to promote the TV series. Ugh, no one talks about that. You wouldn't like going into the maze, seeing all of the, you know, the I, bar, the ambiance. You have the mariachi there. There'd be so I'd many- rather have it be a bar. Exactly the same, and me just get drunk there and pretend I'm in the movie and shoot somebody. Both of them would be really cool options. Hit us up. We are called the Merch Whisperers. (laughs) Call me Juan Draper. Yeah, right? Oh, man, what a blast. I think, is this a good time to call it, Malv? I don't know. I don't want to, though. Wait, what do they say? All things must come to an end? I guess. If you guys liked it, if you guys enjoyed it, if you want to watch From Dust Till Dawn, it's Oh, we're not done yet. Not done. Buy the DVD. Buy it. Buy any of them. This is such a good movie. Wait for Best Buy. To, I know they have to have a steel case or some shit like the that. The trilogy collection you or something? You have to. What did you think of the sequels? Did you see them? Fuck no. <laughs> like the Spy Kids movies, the sequels weren't good. <laughs> yes, Mal. I do think this was probably the best film in the franchise. The TV show had some cool moments. Anyways, we love the movie. We love the energy. We love the mood it puts us in for. It's a spooky, fun, good time. And we hope you guys have a blast listening to all of our Spooktober episodes coming up. That's going to do it for today's episode of Movies We Were Way Too Young to See. We always have a blast recording. We hope you had a blast listening. Questions, comments, anything like that, feel free to email us at malvinmogley at gmail.com. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. If you listen on Apple, rate us five stars. One more thing, follow us on social media at Malv underscore N underscore Mowgli. Malv, final thoughts. Stay spooky. Buy DVDs. Spooktober in full effect, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoy. Yeah.